Have you ever thought about the difference between weight loss and fat loss? Today, we're diving into this often misunderstood topic and its importance for women. Our guest today, Amy Newland, is a coach, a certified personal trainer, a scientist, an engineer, and an advocate for women's fitness. And she specializes in this nuanced conversation around fat loss versus weight loss. She really brings a detailed and experimental approach to helping women navigate the complex world of health and wellness. She focuses on guiding women through healthier alternatives to restrictive diets and emphasizes the importance of resistance training and maintaining muscle mass for long-term health benefits. Together, we're aiming to break through the noise around weight loss and break through the silence around fat loss and help you on your goals to feeling stronger in your body. Amy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. This is the way you said that was so perfect. The most noisy and silent issue. There's there's so much loaded nature around this that I'm I'm so happy to be able to be a part of extending this conversation forward. You know, I think it's interesting because until you know that there's a difference between fat loss and weight loss, you don't know. Yeah, they get used interchangeably so much and people get really confused when you start to clarify the difference between the two. Like, wait, these aren't just the same thing? Exactly. The confusion is very real, especially because weight loss, I think, has been the primary way just our medical system and the health in America has been centered around just saying weight loss for so long that in people's defense, the clarity has not really ever been there, mm-hmm. I don't think. Yeah. And it it's so easy too with weight loss is easy to measure and fat loss isn't. And so it, it makes it easier for people sometimes to simplify it down. But there's so much that gets lost when we do that. That's such a great way to kind of put it in perspective. One is easy to measure. One is not easy to measure. And I think for anyone listening, so as we dive into this conversation, very clearly, I want to define both of those terms. So weight loss is simply a reduction in your overall body weight. So you don't know what you lost. It could be anything. It could be water weight. It could be muscle mass, or it could be fat mass. It's unknown because it's simply weight loss. On the other hand, fat loss is very specifically a decrease in your body fat percentage and a loss of that adipose tissue or fat mass to some degree. So you know that you're not losing other valuable parts of your body. It's fat that was lost. Yeah. And one of the important things to add is when we go about weight loss without an eye to the idea of fat loss and having a strategy around that, what we find is over and over, we see that about half of the weight that we lose does actually end up coming from our lean body mass, our muscle and bone density, and and then some of that water weight as well. Yeah, it's really sad. Depending on you know the type of dietary restriction or calorie restriction someone was in, in order to be losing weight, it can really just start to put you behind the eight ball because you're going to lose more and more of that lean tissue if you're not supporting fat loss over just total body loss. Mm-hmm. And so here's the interesting thing, because I I think everyone comes to this awareness at different points. And obviously, we're having this conversation because we just want to remind people, look, if you have a goal for getting stronger or you have a goal for healthy weight loss for any varied number of reasons, getting this clarity on what you're pursuing, which is not actually weight loss, which is the valuable parts of your body, but is actually fat loss, that's a game changer for how you manage it. But we all come upon that knowledge in our own time, in our own ways. And I'm really curious with your story, like where was the moment, if you can remember it, where you're like, oh my goodness, I think my understanding of weight loss might not be accurate. And also more importantly, it might not be working for me. Yeah, I I grew up being really active. I was an athlete growing up. And so I thought that I had this really great understanding of physical activity and weight management. And as I moved forward into my adult life, I had a lot of fear 
honestly around weight. Um, growing up in the 90s with all of the messaging that we we got, all of the images that we were bombarded with, and and really being in an environment where um, I felt like I was being told over and over that weight gain is your future. That's just part of being an adult. And, and observing the, the women in my life criticizing their bodies. And so I went into my adult life with this, all right, well, I have to manage this. I have to make sure this doesn't happen to me. And I went with the standard approach. I was in the gym every day. I was following a really restrictive diet. But I also had this background as an athlete, so I cared about how I was performing. And I remember the point at which I realized that despite the fact that I was working so hard and I was quote unquote doing everything right, my performance was getting worse and I was getting weaker and I was feeling like garbage. (laughs) I was exhausted. I started having really severe acne and I realized I had to figure this out. I had to take a step back and because I was doing everything right, but it was all going wrong instead. And it led me to searching for an an alternative. And I was lucky enough that I, I found this little corner of the internet that was encouraging reasonable exercise and healthy eating. And they were already talking about things like the importance of muscle and rest and eating enough food. So I started playing around with that. And what I found was that I really quickly started to feel so much better, both physically healthier and less afraid of becoming that example that I'd seen in my childhood. That is such a light switch moment is what it feels like to me, where you could see your performance declining and you had this narrative that you grew up with that you were fighting against. And then you have this other side where you fell into this, it sounds like the corner of the internet that was talking about muscle and eating for your activity and for your your needs. And you got to, you were brave enough to walk into it and say, hey, I'm going to try this because over here doesn't seem to be working. So within that, what do you think was the motivator or thought that gave you that ability to try something that you had never tried before? I think for me, it was really trying the thing that I had tried before over and over and and getting worse and worse results as I went. And I have a, a very engineering brain. And so I went into it with, all right, well, now it's time to experiment because apparently what I'm doing is just going to keep getting worse. So I have to change something. It just, it didn't feel like I had a choice anymore. And so I had to start exploring the options and start experimenting with myself, my little N equals one. <laughs> I love that. But just so you know, it it is hard to be an N equals one. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is. And so the I love that you were willing to lean in that and do that because not knowing like how something is going to work out, I think that's the hardest place to be with choosing to do something differently. And I love that you bravely jumped in there and said, okay, I'm going to try and do it differently. We're just going to figure it out as we go along. And so within that, what do you think was the motivator that kept you going? Like, what did you notice first that told you, hey, I might be on to something here? The first thing that I noticed was that I started waking up in the morning and not having to hit snooze 10 times before I finally dragged myself out of bed. And that was huge for me because I I had been a kind of a morning person before. And all of a sudden, I hit my adult life and I already had this fear that, all right, this is where things start to go south. And then all of a sudden, I was in this place where getting up in the morning was hard. And when it started feeling easier again, I I knew that I was on the right track. I have a question for you because, you know, we know your engineering brain <laughs> and you're willing to do experiments on yourself. But where was that pivotal point where you're you're feeling better, you've discovered this new way to take care of yourself, but now that's transitioning into, okay, I have to share this with other women. And now I'm going to take this engineering brain of mine <laughs> and jump over to coaching women about you know weight loss, fat loss, and feeling better in their bodies. 
for me, that was, it was sort of built into where I was at the time. I was always really interested in physical activity. And at the time when I finally sort of started discovering this, I was actually coaching CrossFit. And it's this little corner of the fitness world that has some really great aspects to it, but can be so hard on your body and especially for women. And I was starting to experience finally this feeling better and having more energy and and getting away from where I had been but I could still see the other women in my orbit who were going through the same thing. And I was watching as they were receiving advice to to go harder, to maybe try fasting or to be more restrictive in their diet. Maybe they needed to cut out dairy. And I just had this internal scream where it's like, this is, this is the wrong path. This this is the wrong thing to be doing to women. And so as I I started to become a little bit more bold in feeling like I had a a grasp on the, the science behind what I was doing, and I was starting to understand it better, I started feeling a little bit more confident to be able to step in and offer my own advice. And then eventually women started coming to me and asking these questions like, you know, I saw this other person start to improve. And what did you have her do? Can you explain to me what this is like? And and there's just no feeling like that, knowing that you've been able to help someone. So I just kept leaning into that more and more. Yeah, you touched on a really important point with this very noisy conversation that is, you know, weight loss and the difference with fat loss and just, you know, women and body size within it, you you brought up the negative equation. So what this conversation from my perspective is built around is using subtraction or takeaway or what can you do less of or what can you remove. And the conversation with health has centered around this removal process. And I do think that many women are becoming more and more aware of the advice might not be the best that I have been paying attention to for the last 10, 15 years because they have hit that wall. But on top of that, I think they're starting to realize that maybe this way that I've been taught to think about taking care of my body, caring about body size, maybe how I've been taught to think about it is not the best equation. Maybe I've been taught to think about it in a negative way instead of the reframe and the the better way of thinking about it, which is in the addition or positive way. Because I think people are getting chronically stuck, at least the people that I'm working with, they're chronically stuck in what can I do less of or what can I remove or what can I take away and that just leads you getting, like, as you already mentioned, you're back up against the wall. And then suddenly the question you're asking yourself is, what else can I do? Because it's not working. So within that, what do you think from your perspective, like, do you see the shift happening? Because I think the shift is happening where people are at least willing to sit in the conversation and say, hey, let's talk about this because I'm not sure it's working. I'm not sure how I'm thinking about it is leading me to where I want to go. And is that what you're seeing with who you coach as well? I am. And it's really exciting. I think that we've we've reached a point where the baseline message has managed to start getting through the noise. There's so much that women are inundated with on the internet, so many different messages. But I think that this is one that resonates And so it finds a way to get to people because I love how you frame the the negative versus the positive. We're constantly trying to take away. And not only is that harder when you're trying to make a change to not do something is so much harder than to do something. But also by stripping away all of these things, we're also stripping away so much joy, so much joy in food and movement and just being able to feel good in our bodies. And I think we're starting to recognize that, that that maybe we need to start looking at what we can add instead of what we need to take away. 
Yeah, I love that. But I think it's something we're never taught because I never remember being told or having it emphasized, hey, your body needs stuff in it. It needs the valuable nutrition. It needs strong bones. It needs strong muscles. It was always the message of your body needs to look a certain way and be a certain size. And there was no conversation about the actual like health or longevity of your body overall. And with weight loss especially, I just don't think that women are given a message that a crash diet and extreme calorie reduction is actually taking valuable things out of their body. I need you to envision your body like a palace where it is rich with energy and vitality and nourishment and think of it like golden rubies in a vault and this beautiful palace that's got everything you need to be healthy. And if you do that crash diet, you are opening the doors of the palace, you are opening the doors of the vault and you are saying, come on in, strip it clean, take away the things that make me strong, take away the things that give me resilience in the middle of chaos and stress and life unexpected events, and you're taking the value of your body away. Do you want that? Do you want to let them steal everything that makes you vital and healthy? Let's put good things into your body so that it can do all the things you want it to do with your life. I absolutely love that analogy. That is beautiful. And it's so true. We do we strip ourselves down so often when we approach weight loss like that or just approach our wellness journey like that. And I think with the women that I've worked with, it takes a step of faith to to turn around and do something that's entirely different than all of the, the dominant fitness messaging that's out there, the eat less, exercise more, deplete yourself more and more, and turn to something that's about nourishing your body and giving it what it needs and thinking of yourself as someone who is valuable enough that you should be nourished, you you should feel good, even if that means that you're not going to fit in those jeans from college again. Oh, goodness. Let's talk about those jeans from college. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's talk about those jeans. You know, hasn't I talk about this all the time? All the time. I could never, ever get back into the jeans that I wore in college. And if I could, it would mean that I was so depleted nutritionally, it wouldn't even be funny. Because I think what gets lost within this conversation is that women's hips develop and change, I believe, up until the age of 25. So your hips are going to continue to widen. So what Way can, past college. Way past college. So what you, first of all, just from that factor alone, it's highly likely that you're not going to be able to wear the same size from college, just from that piece. And then on top of it, you're also in your best muscle building years, right? From 16 to 30, your best muscle building years. So thank goodness your body is changing and technically should be becoming bigger, which, you know, in for us women is such an evil word, <laughs> but thank goodness it's changing and gaining things in certain areas that those pants no longer fit because it means longevity wise, who you're going to be showing up as, as 82 is a much better person than if you tried to stay in your high school jeans. It's that palace again. It's very empty in the high school jeans. Yes. When when I think about what it would take for me to be in my high school or college jeans again, the first thing that comes to mind for me is like, oh, the muscle I would have to lose. Yeah. Like, I worked hard for this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's, the, that's the undersell though. That's the silent part. Yeah. A lot of these crash diets will on some tiny scale, which is almost zero, but still will give them a, a bone, admit you might lose some muscle in these crash diets, but they will never tell you that it is work to get it back. And it's not always work that the body plays along with, depending on you know what you have going on health-wise, et cetera. So it's not a given. And they don't explain to you, this is what it's going to feel like to try to get strong again and to try to be strong again. And because they don't disclose that, I consider it a very detrimental part of the conversation that's missing. That and being small, quote unquote, is highly valued in this conversation. And I think you'll agree, Amy, like once you can see it, you can't unsee it. 
But you can see that many of the movie stars people look up to, many of the people who are on the magazine covers, everything that your brain is being given as an image of a healthy woman is someone who is actually muscle deficient. They're under-muscled because they've been eating it their whole life as they have been you know, starving, staying in that model, thin body weight, et cetera. You, we, we don't even look at thighs the same way because the thigh gap is actually a thigh and a quad and a hamstring that Deficit. lost muscle volume. But we have this perspective of a woman that includes losing muscle. Yeah. It's, it's become standard in how we view what women are supposed to look like, that to be small you you need to fit this standard. And when you actually look at that standard with a critical eye, you're right. There's no muscle there. And what we leave out of the conversation is what we lose when we lose that muscle. Yeah, exactly that. I think within this, the understanding of the cost, because as someone who myself, until you learn, you don't value muscle, you don't even really care about it until you know what that muscle is going to give you and provide for you long-term, that is legitimately life-changing. So, Amy, why don't you share with everybody, why do we want this lean mass? Like, yes. why do we I want muscle? I have a muscle? suspicion you know. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I might have thought about this a little bit. <laughs> when it comes to muscle, there is so much there that is tied to our health. I think one of the things that we tend to oversimplify when we think about tissue like fat and muscle is we have this idea that that fat is kind of just these little suitcases of stored energy sitting around our body waiting to be used up. And that muscle is, is just that tissue that gives you a little bit of structure and lets you move around and lift things. When in reality, both are involved and, and really tied up in our hormone system, in the system of our body, our cells sending messages between themselves to dictate how our body function is regulated. And so that ties in to so many different functions. Just a few of the benefits of having muscle is having muscle and even using the muscle that we have increases the function of our immune system. It reduces inflammation throughout our body, which in turn reduces the risk of things like heart disease, high blood pressure, and even a lot of cancers. Having higher muscle mass can also improve outcomes in cancer patients. So it gives us a head start when we have to face any illness that comes our way. And then really excitingly, because muscle also improves, it's involved in our hormone system. So it also improves our insulin sensitivity and the way that our body can regulate blood sugar. It reduces our risk for diabetes. And along with that, there's, there's promising, but still not quite conclusive emerging evidence that maintaining our muscle mass may really reduce risk of dementia and other forms of cognitive decline and memory loss as we age. So there's so many benefits beyond just the the fat loss, but it really is an organ of immune function and of longevity. You know, one of the biggest reasons for losing our ability to move well as we age, um, the one of the reasons that we end up with pain and not being able to live independently is something called sarcopenia. So it's basically the loss of muscle as we age. So if we start with more muscle and we keep using that muscle, then we keep more of it. And that ties into so many different things. You know, we've all heard the stories and the anecdotes about as we age, a fall late in life can be really detrimental. It can be the beginning of the end for people. There's this like chain of events where you fall, you break a hip, you end up in the hospital needing surgery, and then you end up with something like pneumonia. And if we look at that from the standpoint of how muscle plays a part in that, first we know that strength and stability are tied to strength and muscle mass. And so that helps us maintain our balance and ability to walk well and to prevent falls to begin with. And then having muscle 
is one of the absolute best ways to increase and maintain your bone density. So it makes you less likely to break something if you do fall, even as you get older. And then let's say you do still fall and you break something like a hip. The role of muscle in our immune function and our ability to recover from infections and diseases, it dramatically decreases the, the likelihood of succumbing to something like pneumonia. So it really, in addition to, you know, just the, the great benefits of feeling strong, it makes us less likely to be sick. It makes us more likely to be able to age well and live really well for longer into our lives. And if you want to look at it from the aesthetic standpoint, it also helps with some of the aging process. It slows down the aging of other tissue like our skin. And so that's it's a selling point for a lot of my female clients that, hey, I promise you're not going to get bulky and it might actually help your skin look a little nicer. <laughs> There's so many reasons. And just to really, I think the way Jennifer has always explained to me what you just so beautifully put is that muscle makes us hard to kill. There are so many good dominoes that it tips in our favor that it makes you hard to kill if you are in an accident or you have something go wrong. And and I think that's a beautiful thing. We don't give it enough credit for how much it actually protects us and changes how our day-to-day -day life feels. The exciting thing with it, I do say that. I kind of freak people out a little bit, but, but I'm like, look, this is the simplest way I can explain it to you. It's you're going to be harder to kill. And doesn't that sound really exciting? <laughs> 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 but, but on top of that, I think what's exciting about this conversation is that what I feel like has been lost in the health and wellness conversation for just anyone, not even just talking about women, is thinking about how you take care of yourself and extending what we are commonly calling now your health span. Um, so it's not just about staying alive for longer. It's about staying alive well and being able to move and do the things that you want to be able to continue to do as you get older. And having muscle extends our ability to be independent and to live well into our older years, um, statistically significantly than any other factor as far as that health span goes when we look at just like taking care of the human body, right? There's other environmental factors and things, but muscle is so, so important for longevity. It's absolutely vital uh, in the in the near term, like you said, it makes you harder to kill. I, I've heard so many stories of people in dramatic car accidents or things like that where the doctor comes back to them afterward and says, the fact that you had muscle mass on your body saved your life. But then as we go forward into aging, so much is tied up in having muscle mass there too, just like we've pointed out. And it, it's really exciting and amazing when you think about it. And that wellness span is, I'm so glad it's something that we're talking about more and more now that's become part of the discussion in the health and fitness space. And, and hopefully more and more people are hearing it because for me, this work is so much tied up in helping people not just stick around for a long time for their families and the people that they love, but to be able to be present, to really have quality time for as long as they can with the people that they love. Yes, because there's a big difference between that health span and then just your chronological lifespan. And I, it's interesting because the human brain is so bad at kind of thinking about future things and future problems and future experiences very much tied up in the now. But like if you don't have an elderly grandparent or someone in your life where you already are in a nursing home or being around anyone at all who's in the latter stages of life, then I would actually really encourage people to volunteer even just for a day to spend some time at a nursing home or long-term care facility because you will leave so reverent for life and reverent for your mobility and reverent for your ability to do things on your own that I do think it changes how you will approach how you're taking care of your body 
And there's something about that firsthand experience that can think and bring it front and center. Do you want this future or do you want to take actions to do what is in your control to prevent it? Absolutely. It it really is perspective shifting. And for people who who need that near-term outcome to be motivated, there are so many of those as well. Having muscle mass really improves energy. It, like I said, it, it improves just how you hold yourself. So how you look. And I think it's okay to care about how you look. I think it can be a really good thing. And so how you hold yourself can make you feel better and present yourself better to the people around you. And that can be really motivating in those more near term, especially a lot of times the reality is that when people come to me wanting to, to lose weight, lose fat, their motivation is to be a little bit smaller. They, it's an appearance-based motivation. And so if there are other things that we can add to that to say, hey, if we go this route, we're going to have other knobs to turn to make you feel good about how you're presenting yourself to the world. And muscle gives us the ability to do that. I love that. It's It's using the motivation that they do have and building on it and saying, hey, you know, if you want to add these also to your list of reasons for why lifting weights and, you know, eating nutrient-dense food is good for you, they're they're even more technically motivating long-term and even better for you long-term than just this one thing. But you're absolutely allowed to have this because I do think within the health and wellness space, we're doing a lot of overcorrecting as far as um, the conversation about, you know, larger bodies versus smaller bodies. And, you know, are you allowed to lose weight, quote unquote? Are you allowed to intentionally try and change how your body looks? And the answer is yes, because you are the owner of your body. You're the one that gets to make that decision. That's why we want to be having these conversations because they push back against diet culture, the diet industry is 100% correct because it's stealing from women's future, as Heath always says over and over again. It's stealing. What we're talking about here is it's often stealing your muscle and it's stealing from your older self because the conversation was lacking in this important understanding of what you legitimately want to be trying to quote unquote lose or shift, which is body fat versus just losing weight. And so within this, like, what is your perspective on that very noisy conversation that we have going on in the health and wellness space? Are you allowed to lose weight or are you not allowed to lose weight? How are you currently talking about it with your clients? You are absolutely allowed to lose weight, but it's hard to say that sometimes. And I I know it took me years of learning to be bold about saying that. It's only been recently that I've really shifted into making this my space on the internet, putting that conversation out there. I've been talking about it with clients for a long time because because the clients lead the goals. You know, what women come to me wanting to accomplish, I can I can work with that and help them do it in a healthier way that preserves that muscle. And that is exciting. And so to me, it's it's about making the conversation, not about you're not allowed to want to lose weight, but we're not going to change the fact that people want to lose weight. So here's a health forward way to do it that is not only going to accomplish what you're looking for, but it's also going to extend your life. It's going to make you stronger. And when you learn as a woman what it feels like to be strong, that is so much fun. And it it opens up all of these other doors to be able to not only not reduce your health by losing weight, but to actually enhance it and to go that other direction. But there is so much noise there. There's so much conversation with the body positivity movement and the the positives that have come out of that, but then the excess that we've gone to there where we've started to shut down this conversation and make people afraid to talk about it. And, and it, it breaks my heart every time someone 
starts a conversation with me about their goals and what they want to accomplish. And I can tell that they feel embarrassed to tell me that what they want is to lose weight because you're not supposed to want that anymore. But it it doesn't make you less than or a failure or any of these things to want that as a goal. I, I think it's fairly natural, especially as an outcome of the environment that we've been in and being able to turn the conversation into something that's positive and something that adds to your health while still leading you in the direction that you want to go is the the biggest thing that I want to accomplish in this space. I love that. And I'm a thousand percent with you. Maybe how we're approaching this conversation is not working the way that we think it is. I think we have overcorrected. <laughs> we have, we have, because, and here's why, weight loss, because of how we have framed it within media, within culture, is how someone knows to say, I want to get healthier. So first of all, you're shutting down a conversation of what I would phrase as, this is someone trying to have a conversation and understand how they can show up better in life, how they can have more energy, how they can feel good each and every day and know that they're taking care of their one and their one precious body, right? And so if we shut down their ability to talk about it because they haven't learned other ways to frame that conversation, then you you have people get into what I call health chaos, where they want to be taking care of themselves, but they don't know how because they can't ask the question the way they know how to do it because it's no longer quote unquote correct, but they still don't feel good. And so then, then they get very lost. So within this, to build on that noise that we have, then you have the exciting thing that we see going on, which is more and more women starting to understand that they need muscle, that they should start changing how they see weight loss. And they are learning new ways to think about it. But then within that conversation, you have this noisy side of the internet that actually tells women that they're going to get big and bulky, which you you did reference a little while ago about this, this fear of, oh no, now I'm going to get bigger or bulky, like this, this negative thought process around it. And here's the thing, even I was taught to think this way, a thousand percent. And I will never forget the first time Heather's husband, he he was telling me, lift that weight. And I'm looking at it going, I can't lift that weight. I can't lift that weight. It's too heavy. It's too heavy. And he's like, Jen, just try. I promise you, I would never put you in a position that would cause you any harm. I was like, okay. And I went and I picked that weight up and my, my head exploded because it was easy. And I was in my head though, because of how, you know, not, you know, we're eighties babies into the nineties, right? <laughs> you were supposed to lift two pound weights, right? Oh boy. If you were hitting five, that might be problematic, right? You might be getting bulky. And that was the light switch moment for me where I realized wait a minute, even me who's in this health world, I don't think I am thinking about this correctly. And I felt gypped. Honestly, I when I realized, oh my goodness, I can move things way heavier than I even realized that I could was life-changing. When you have these conversations with your clients, how are you explaining to your clients that bulky is most likely not in their future? and that they're getting noisy information that's being built off of half-truths. It's really a twofold process in this conversation, the way that I like to start it. And first is a lot of women will mention toned, and there's a lot of noise in the fitness industry around that word too. But really what we're talking about there is having uh, some muscle mass and lower body fat. And so muscle mass is the first piece of that. So, so I start with, Hey, you know, if you, if you want this toned look that you're talking about, you have to have some muscle and you're not going to get that without challenging your muscles. And so that 
helps to start the conversation to just reframe what it is that our goal is with resistance training and, and building muscle. That it's the goal isn't to get bulky. And really, it is to facilitate this toned look that a lot of women want to move toward. And the other piece of it is you're not going to get bulky really at all, but you're definitely not going to get bulky overnight. And so, hey, if you notice that you're starting to really get bulky, let me know and we'll pull back because it's not going to be a quick process. And I have never once had a woman tell me that we needed to pull back. Yeah, but I love that because you you calmed down that. That's such a great way of saying, hey, if you did feel like you were going to get bulky, we can work with that. Like you're not stuck there, but you knowing. I think this part of the conversation is it's a piece that most people don't fully understand until they start lifting and realize, oh, this is really hard. And gaining muscle is a lot of effort. <laughs> and bulky is not in my near future. <laughs> I know some women who would actually love to get bulky and are so frustrated that it's so hard. Yes, that, that. Uh, that's as, the silent as, part. That's the silent part. That's what I would say. I'm like, as someone who has to inch out any muscle gain that I get, sometimes I find myself laughing while I'm trying to lift something. You'd be like, here's, here we go again. We're trying to get my another 0.1% muscle gain that I was supposed to just magically click my fingers and suddenly become bulky. <laughs> Wouldn't it be nice sometimes if it actually worked that way? It's so much more effort. Yes, yes. But it, it makes it worth it, though, because you are so proud of what you do earn because you know what you put into it. You literally put blood, sweat, and tears into it. <laughs> yes, it's such an accomplishment. And it's it's one of my favorite things to see people start to realize that all of that work creates such a feeling of accomplishment when you get there. And it's so much fun to start to focus on those improvements, especially when you're first starting. That progress can happen really quickly. And it's amazing. I just got a text from one of my clients the other day letting me know she was so excited. She did all of her reps at 130 pounds. And that happened pretty quickly for her because there's so much adaptation that happens really rapidly right at first with our nervous systems and and everything around that but what it does is is give us this amazing feeling of accomplishment and empowerment and it one of the things that i learned myself when i first started shifting away from the little pink weights and the 45 minutes on the treadmill to actually starting to do some strength building was how it was amazing to me how much it translated into other parts of my life. I just started feeling so much more confident, even walking into my workplace and to other situations. So much of that physical competence and confidence that I was building was translating into all of the other aspects of my life. It really does translate. And that's it's not only is it the physical structure of your body is changing, but it's changing your brain because the brain knows the body it's living in. And they can see in research that when you are, your chest is closed, your posture is less than optimal, you're hunched forward, you have forward head posture, all these different things, you cannot be as confident as someone whose brain knows that their chest is high, their body is strong, and it has a direct translation into our mood and our confidence. And I remember one study that was so powerful. It said for people struggling with mood disorders, just standing in the Superman pose where you stick your hands on your hips and you lift your chest and you act like you're about to save the world had a direct impact on their mood and how they would self-report. And it was simply because they changed the structure of their body. And it's pretty cool. I even see it working with my clients to see their mood, their outlook on life, their ability to try things and tackle things change because they're walking that out in their physical body. But it can't happen without muscle, which is the thing you lose when you're on a chronic, like, fast diet approach of 1200 calories. I just need to get smaller. And that's what you're losing, that muscle that keeps you tall and confident and living life. And 
what I'd really like to dive into you with is the strength training, the role of strength training in protecting your muscle when you are reducing your calories to a reasonable amount or trying to achieve weight loss. Like I saw one meta-analysis that said it had 100% effectiveness. I think it was 93 or 94% total in keeping elderly people who were obese and they were trying to help them lose weight for their health markers. It prevented them from losing any muscle because they simply had incorporated weight training. It's an amazing tool. And it really is the number one thing that you can do to keep from losing muscle when you are losing weight. And it, it what that does is then means that most of what you're losing is body fat, which is really what most people actually want and where you're going to see the most health benefits. So the role of resistance training there is amazing. And so just to clarify, when we're talking about resistance training, or strength training. It's really any kind of exercise that's focused on working your muscles specifically. So this could be body weight exercises, lifting weights like dumbbells or kettlebells or barbells, or the weight machines like you find at the gym. But the key is that the focus is on working your muscles as opposed to like cardio where you're really focused on your heart rate more than working your muscles. And part of the importance of this when we're talking about maintaining muscle mass through a weight loss journey is that just like fat and muscle tissue aren't just there to store energy and move your your bicep exercise that we do is part of that system of hormones as well that sends messages between our cells to tell them how to regulate how our body's functioning. Exercise influences that. And what it does is that it sends a signal to our body to adapt and to get better at what we're doing. And when that exercise is resistance training, the message that we're sending is that we're going to be doing things that require strength. So let's get stronger. And so if we make sure that we eat enough, then our body will have what it needs to prioritize keeping that muscle and will turn to prioritizing reducing fat instead. Yeah, because muscle is expensive to keep. It's more expensive than other pieces of ourselves. And that's why I think for a lot of people, they feel like when they're lifting and doing resistance training, they're not getting results. And if they're in a low energy availability state, or they're still undernourishing themselves, and they can't understand why their body won't play long and give them muscle, their body's like, are you kidding me? It's cost so much money to keep this uh, muscle operational and a functioning part of the body. We can't do it. You're giving us pennies, pennies on the dollar, and we need a hundred dollar bill. And so you have to marry that strength training with nutrition, which is why I love what I do and getting to sync up with Jennifer. And I know that you combine that with your clients as well, that knowledge of like your body needs nutrition in order to build and maintain the muscle that you're looking for. Yes. I try to describe it to my clients as if you just got your, your paycheck cut and you had to pull back on your grocery budget. But right now you've got a pantry full of food. So you're okay. For a week, maybe two weeks, nothing is really going to change too much. You might try to start being a little bit more aware of what you're using. But after a while, that reduction in your budget is really going to start to be felt in how much food you have available. So you're going to adapt by reducing the amount of food that you're bringing into your house and your pantry is going to start to be depleted as you go. And when we don't give our bodies the nourishment that we need, but we demand a lot of them, it's like we're cutting the budget. <laughs> and eventually we might not see it right away, but we're going to start to deplete ourselves and our bodies aren't going to have what they need to be able to prioritize not only building and preserving muscle, but so many other important functions. And that's when we really start to feel bad and not reach the goals that we think we should. We're doing all the things right, but we're not giving our body what it needs to be able to do anything with that. I love that example. Uh, that is such a great visual because then someone can see how the food is 
leaving the pantry and not necessarily going back into the pantry and to just build on that um, because we, I think a big goal within this conversation is to start reframing how women see food, eating, and taking care of themselves and their muscle. And so to build onto that conversation, it gets confusing when, you know, your entire lived experience has been eat as little as possible and you'll be the body size that you want. And then you have people coming in and saying, no, that don't do that. You need more. You need more in that pantry. You need more food in the pantry. I know you've been told to keep taking a bag of food out, but if you keep doing that, what gets lost and confusing in this conversation is that that pantry is representing what your body can burn or the energy it can use each day. So what our bodies do is really smart. So if you keep taking food out, that means that your body is going to keep adapting to the level of food that you are putting in that pantry. So eventually, you can only eat the smaller level of food that's in that pantry without gaining weight. And this is the diet trap that many women get stuck in, which is you kept taking food out of your pantry. You kept reducing what's called your metabolic rate or your basal metabolic rate. And instead of stopping at some point where your body could recover that energy, regain calories so that you have more energy available to you, it gets stuck at that lower energy availability. And then it becomes very easy to, even if you're not adding a lot of food back into your pantry, that's when weight starts to creep back up because you've lost how many how much food you could eat before you started to take that food out with that current diet that you're on. And so within this then, when someone buys into that and they're like, okay, I really am tired of eating this lower pantry amount. And I, I want to try your method because I want more food. What then I commonly see that I would love for you to speak into is then the fear starts to creep up because when you start lifting and you start using your body in new ways that it's meant to be moved in and meant to be used as, and then you start giving it more food, the normal common response that you are going to see is hunger. You are going to be more hungry. That's the natural body response that should follow when we decide to jump into this beautiful nutritious equation. So I would love for you to share how you speak life and you you push back on the fear when that hunger starts to build as people lean into this new way of doing things. Yeah, it can be so disorienting. I really try to make sure that women know that that's coming first and foremost is that, hey, we're going to change these things and this is what you can expect to see. So don't be caught off guard when you start to feel different, you start to feel hunger coming back or being more prominent or that it's actually a really good sign. And then I try really hard to lean into that, that this is good news. It means your metabolism is responding the way that it's supposed to, which is great because that doesn't happen quickly for everyone, depending on how long you've been in that cycle of those yo-yo diets and restricting and going back and forth that can sometimes get you to a place where it takes a while to bring that back. So I try to turn it into a celebration of, hey, this is amazing. You are actually in a really good place that this is happening for you. And we're going to be able to build on that. And the great news is that we're going to be able to work toward getting you to a place where you can eat more food and see that you're not going to gain fat when you do that, that this is awesome. You get to eat more food now. Yeah. And it's amazing to have permission to do that. And I also think it's funny because it's a message women don't get as much. Um, we were with our little brother and he's doing a lot of lifting right now, building muscle, getting stronger. And he's having a hard time with actually eating enough food to keep up with his body, building the muscle. And so 
we came out to the kitchen. He's standing there and he's like eating so much food, just shoveling in his mouth. And he's like, I think a lot of people would totally freak out if they saw how much food I was actually eating to try to win the battle to build muscle and fuel my body enough to make muscle. And we were laughing about it because it feels so wrong after being in this culture of eat less, eat less, eat less, to be like, you actually need to eat more to build muscle. But when you warn people about the hunger that's coming and explain to them that they're going to need to eat that food to build the muscle, then it really helps start to kind of flip that switch. Yeah. I find that when you know that it's coming, it really changes. It gives you a chance to adjust your perspective about it and and start to build a little bit of excitement so that you can celebrate when it does come. There's there's always going to be some anticipation there, some anxiety sometimes around it, but building up to it and making it something to to look forward to and celebrate can go a really long way. So in addition to helping with hunger and calories and fueling themselves, for the person who's listening today, who's ready to lean in to really valuing muscle, and to the person today who's like, okay, I I can see that I, I really do want fat loss and not weight loss, and I want to protect my muscle. What are the top tips you give them that are like, okay, this is how you start to lean into this, but don't lose the muscle that you know is what makes your palace so full of vitality and life and value? Yeah. First is always going to be the resistance training, like we've talked about. And, you know, I let people know that it doesn't take a ton. You Not only do you get to eat more, you get to exercise less. And that can be disconcerting for people at first, but two to three full body workouts a week is absolutely enough to be able to get the stimulus that we're looking for to get the effects that we want, especially when we are nourishing our bodies appropriately. So setting up two to three full body workouts a week, and then again, leaning into that nourishment and then focusing on protein along with that. Muscle is expensive tissue and it requires specific nutrients and protein definitely falls into that category. I find a lot of women especially are really under eating protein. And when we're trying to build muscle, we need even extra on top of that. And so focusing on that, you know, not not micromanaging, not obsessing over it, but just being aware of here's the protein that I'm eating. And then, you know, maybe I can make these little tweaks a little bit at a time to slowly start to increase that. And then in addition to those two things, I really like to focus on walking because I don't want people in big calorie deficits, like eating 1,200 calories a day, that is for four-year-olds. We need more food than that. And so, but but to lose fat, we do have to acknowledge that you do need to be in a little bit of a calorie deficit. So I like to have people really just focus in on eating good food that is real, normal, minimally processed food, and then focusing on walking to add a little bit of a calorie deficit rather than restricting food. And that's where, you know, switching that negative, that removal for something that we can add and that is healthy and going to make you feel good on its own anyway. And then the last thing I kind of have my like four pillars that I like to give people is to get some sunshine and sleep. And if you're going for walks, you're already going to likely be getting some sunshine. And that's already going to help with your sleep quality. So you're you're kind of getting two birds with one stone there. And then focus on making improvements to make sure that you're getting enough sleep every night because you really do need that recovery time as well to be able to build muscle. When we exercise, we send a message to ourselves to do this work of building muscle. But it takes time to do that. And we actually have to stop exercising for that to happen. the, The magic happens in the rest periods in between. And so making sure that we're getting sleep and and just prioritizing rest in general is really helpful as well. But one thing I really want to make note of is that if you're starting 
from not doing any of this, don't try to do all four things at once. Start with one. Pick the thing that seems accessible to you or that lights you up, that sounds fun, and start there and work on that until it feels it starts to feel good and it starts to feel a little bit less resistance to doing that regularly and then start to build on that. Don't try to start from zero to 60 all at once because normally that means that we're going to give up. Keep it simple. Focus on those four pillars, but don't start them all at once. I love those four pillars. I, I, those are definitely the best places to start. But then on top of that, allowing yourself to just start with one thing that is a game changer. Because when you're seeing or hearing someone who understands or has gone through the process of learning to take care of themselves in new ways, it can feel like that you're supposed to just be able to do all of these things just like that. Like, okay, this is what I should be doing. And that's not how meaningful change gets created. Meaningful change happens when we allow ourselves to pay attention to one or two things and really get good at them and turn them into a habit. And then we can build on that. Or as you said, you can pick up another pillar and say, okay, I'm going to learn how to do this now. So couldn't have said it any better. Also, what I would like to add is if you're not sure what protein is and what foods have protein, we do have a, I, I'm guessing maybe Amy has a protein download that you can have access to. And we also have a protein foods download on She Changes Everything as well, because knowing and understanding what foods have protein really is a good place to start because it really starts to change how you make your plate when you can start to visually see, oh, one, that's what protein is. And two, wow, I don't think I was eating enough of it because based on the sheets, this is a lot more chicken than what I was currently eating versus what this you know, recommendation is giving me. So if you're someone who's Wondering how you get started with eating more protein, those resources are definitely going to be available to you. I love that point uh, because it's so easy as we get into this and, and we've been doing it for a long time. It's easy from the outside to, to think that we all started here knowing all of these things and being where we are. And it's easy from the inside to forget what it felt like and what we didn't know when we started. And I think it it's helpful to to step back and remind ourselves from both sides of that equation that there is such a spectrum from where you start to where you go. There is. And it all starts with understanding that when you step on the scale and the number has gone up or down, you don't know if that's fat. It's actually looking at the whole totality of your body and starting with that adjustment of moving beyond just thinking about weight loss to fat loss is where suddenly you start making different decisions that help you create a healthier, stronger body. And so I really encourage everyone to lean into that. And I am also really grateful that you took the time to talk with us about that today, since it is such a meaningful place for women to start reframing how they see their bodies. So we are going to wrap it up with a question that we ask everyone who is on this podcast. What was the moment where you suddenly started to see your health and wellness differently? And you thought to yourself, wow, this really might change everything as far as how I am taking care of myself. Learning about rest was it for me. It was a paradigm shifting learning process where I went from the ideas of, of high school athletics of more is better, no pain, no gain, eat less, exercise more, all of these little slogans that we pick up as we move through this space of either athletics or fitness. And I was running myself into the ground and it turned being active, this thing that I had loved into something that was such a burden and such a source of stress. And 
it got me to a point where I was going back and forth between exercising every day and being so restrictive with my diet to spending weeks doing nothing at all. And it happened because I really did need to spend those weeks doing nothing at all. My body was revolting against what I was doing to it. And when I started to learn about rest, learn about rest periods in a workout or what our body does to adapt to our exercise when we take rest days and how that can't happen when we don't. And all of the ways that rest and recovery is just as important as the exercise itself and that nourishing our bodies is part of being able to rest and recover. It changed it changed everything. It, it shifted the ground that I was standing on in the fitness world. And it, it gave me a message of hope for myself and for the women that I was starting to work with at that point to be able to say, hey, actually, if you're feeling down one day, you've had a really rough day, you can take that day off. And that's actually probably a good choice. And you can come back tomorrow. And that's amazing. I think that calms so many fears because one of the things that an inactive woman or someone who's working up the courage to start moving their body and building strength can easily flip into is I'm going to be going all the time. I'm going to be matching the CrossFit commercials. My body's going to break. The brain knows it can't do it. But when you start to frame this journey of building muscle and taking care of your body into something that has so much kinder rhythms, with the rest and the work, it does change everything. And I love that you shared that with everyone because that reframe is so powerful. If you've made it to the end, you're amazing. You've chosen to spend a portion of your limited time in life with us in your ears and your brain space. And that's something we're so grateful for. Here's your reminder to be kind to yourself in the process of any change. If someone you know came to mind while you were listening to this podcast, hit share. They'll know you were thinking of them and have the opportunity to learn too. If you enjoy the show and you want to support it, please like it, subscribe to it, share it, or leave us a five-star review. It helps so much more than you know. We're glad you're here and we're glad you're part of the Critical Conversations community where together we're learning to ask better questions and choosing to do wellness differently.